On Deep Background, we go old school, taking a look at the presidential nominating contest for the Democrats across the country and what might happen in Missouri next Tuesday. I'm Dave Helling with the Star's editorial board. Greetings. You are on Deep Background. Greetings here on Deep Background for the 5th of March, 2020. Dave Helling with the Kansas City Star, Derek Donovan, my colleague on the editorial board with us, and then two great guests, Colleen McCain-Nelson, who is my boss, the editor of the editorial page, and in charge of opinion for all of McClatchy, and Melinda Henneberger, also on the editorial board, uh, and my colleague and friend. Uh, both of these ladies have great experience in national political reporting, so it's, good, it's so good to be here because we're going old school. When we started this <laughs> this podcast four years ago, it was all about the 2016 election, and we pretty much talked about Donald Trump every week, and we were wrong about him, of course, but that's what podcasts are for. And so today, <laughs> we're, going, we're not talking issues or anything specific. We just want to talk about the horse race for president. Uh, in the Democratic Party, in part because Missouri, of course, has its own primary next Tuesday, but in part because the picture is changing so dramatically. Colleen, if I had said to you two weeks ago, hey, Joe Biden, front runner for president of the United States on the Democratic side, you would have said what? And then tell me what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so much has happened. It's pretty amazing. I mean, some a lot of folks have noted this week that Joe Biden went 30 years without winning a primary. And then all of a sudden he won like 11 primaries in rapid succession and went from, you know, politically unviable to uh, front runner status and can anybody stop Joe Biden in just a matter of a few days? Fifth in New Hampshire. Fifth. Exactly. I mean, everybody was burying the guy. New Hampshire has a mixed record. Yeah, <laughs> Iowa does too, obviously. But so why? What what changed? What do you do? Do we have a sense of why out of nowhere? I mean, obviously South Carolina played a role, the endorsement there. Um, but but that kind of overnight resurrection is rare in politics. What what, what happened in your view? It really is. Part of it is certainly that uh, non-white voters had a chance to weigh in. African-American voters have played a pivotal role in what we've seen happen in the last several days. And obviously the first two states to go, Iowa and New Hampshire, are um, predominantly white. And Joe Biden from the very start was counting on the large number of African-American voters in South Carolina to bolster his candidacy. And that created the first jolt of momentum um, heading into Super Tuesday, I think a lot of folks still expected to come out with Joe Biden trailing Bernie Sanders in delegates. That didn't happen. And um, and and then we've seen this amazingly quick winnowing of the field. And ultimately, Democratic candidates have been willing to do in 2020 what Republican candidates were not willing to do in 2016 uh, when they were trying to figure out could we they create a one-on-one -on -one race with Trump to try to get Trump out of the Republican race. And uh, Democratic candidates have dropped out and basically created a one-on-one -on -one matchup for Biden and Bernie Sanders. We should report that there is reporting that Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Warren is withdrawing from the race. So do you agree with uh, Colleen's assessment, Melinda? And, and also, if there was indeed this winnowing, why did the party, in your view, winnow to Joe Biden? I mean, it had other options. It had other candidates. They, you know, they settled on a guy who's in his late 70s. I mean, why, why Joe and not Mayor Pete and not Amy Klobuchar and not, 
and not Elizabeth Warren. Well, first, I always agree with COVID. Yeah, as we know. that's a wise strategy, of course, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> uh, no, I do in this case. Um, and I think that the most amazing thing that we've seen here is the Democrats getting it together. Not only that, but so quickly. I really think they did learn the lesson from Republicans four years ago that if, as you know, Republicans really thought that Trump would be a disaster, true. Did they act on it? No. So the Democrats who feel that Sanders either can't win or if he did manage to win, would lose down ballot races for the party and might not get so much accomplished as president, they acted quickly and coalesced around Joe because I think they correctly saw that he had the best chance to win for the for demographic reasons. He had the clearest path. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after Super Tuesday, certainly, um, it, it was clear that nobody else had had a path. But but I agree with that. But no one thinks he's a perfect candidate in, no. any, in any way. I mean, no. he's struggled in the debates. Absolutely. And, sure. and his campaign was, and this is the most amazing thing about Super Tuesday to me, is he had no campaign other than the free is, media. He won Massachusetts with 11 Thousand I mean, no ads, States no never campaign even staff. Visited. And really, you got the sense that no real strategy for Super Tuesday right. other than to be Joe, right. win South Carolina, get in, you know enormous attention over that weekend, and suddenly going you know from 20% to 40% of the vote, that's a hell of a gamble. But I think being Joe is a powerful thing, right? <laughs> no, I do. I think that his uh, deficits are known. He's not a good public speaker, never has been. You never know what he's going to say next, a little bit Trumpian in that way. But but people feel a comfort level that as much as you don't know what he's going to say next, you do know what he's going to do next. You do count on his basic decency is a word you yeah, hear over yeah. and over. You do count on him to think, okay, I could take a, a, a nice long nap while Joe Biden is president. I could count on him to surround himself with competent people and listen to them to restore our relationships and alliances. Yeah. Andrew so. Sullivan said a few years ago, something that others have observed, that the great genius of, of our democracy is that it lets people not have to worry about it, that it lets the average person kind of put things on cruise control. And certainly Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are tip the apple cart, kind of always in your face, fighting, making everything chaos all the time. And I think there's a lot of people voters who- Well, and I would argue, and, right. and Colleen, talk about this, you know, uh, every interview and most of the stories I've read after Super Tuesday suggest that Democratic voters are so focused on replacing Donald Trump that that's sort of the most, you know, issue positions are far less important than this idea of who is the most electable. And I, I think a lot of Democrats not only think that Bernie Sanders is a gamble, but thought that Amy Klobuchar would be a gamble or that Elizabeth Warren would be you know, could win but might lose, or certainly Mayor Pete, his story again, you know, compelling, smart, young, energetic, but not the gamble 
that they'd want to uh, undergo with with Trump on the ballot, of course, and, and Joe Biden. Right. So, do you think that's right? I think that's right, and and you're absolutely right. As as we've gotten down to brass tacks, Democratic voters have become increasingly pragmatic, and they have a singular mission, and that is beat Donald Trump. And you know, they kind of tried out all these different scenarios over the last several months, and in the first few contests, allowing these candid other candidates to kind of take their shot. And ultimately, I think a lot of Democratic voters realized that there was no perfect candidate. Joe Biden certainly is not a perfect candidate, but there is not a perfect alternative. And so they were very quickly reaching this tipping point where Bernie Sanders could have become unstoppable and uh, where he could have built such a large delegate lead that um, that he would have been almost impossible to derail. And so as Democrats looked down the specter of that, um, a lot of voters said, okay, we've got to make a decision here. If we don't want it to be Bernie Sanders, and if we don't think Bernie Sanders is the guy who can beat Donald Trump, we've got to go in a different direction. Yeah. And um, and so, I mean, very seldom do you see kind of this you know, large group of millions of voters kind of collectively making a pragmatic decision instead of, um, just doing what feels good to them. Right, right. And in essence, the electorate's saying to the Democrats, pick one. Right. Pick someone that has a chance to win. We don't really care, but pick one. Right. And it turned out to be Joe Biden. Now, do you Even think- pragmatic and Democrats in the same sentence. That's, <laughs> that's new territory. In a different year. Trump will do that too. That's right. In a different year, do you think that Amy Klobuchar would have had a little bit better chance? Because do you think there's a tiny bit of, not tiny bit, an inherent sexism in not having coalesced behind her? Because I think the case could easily be made that she was the strongest candidate out there to win those folks over. I think you could make that case, and I think that she was definitely gaining some steam. And you know, we had glimpses of what Amy Klobuchar could have become. And you know, I know a lot of folks who you know saw her in that debate and saw her kind of late in this process and said, "Oh, she she could be great." But that moment kind of came a little bit late. And do, do you think Democrats were worried about gambling on a woman candidate after Hillary Clinton in 2016? I don't think that most... Again, we're not talking marriage, we're just sure. talking politics. I don't think that most Democrats are worried about um, gambling on a woman per se, but a lot of Democrats seem to be harder on women or more critical uh, of women in a lot of cases, and it seems like it's a lot easier for a lot of Democrats to find a reason why a woman is not the perfect That's candidate. really true in Elizabeth Warren's case, isn't it? I mean, she boy, talk about, uh, you know, smart, focused, energetic, on message. Many of the things that you'd worry about with the Joe Biden, you certainly did not worry about with Elizabeth Warren in terms of on, you know, debates and mastery of knowledge and, uh, you know, information. And yet she got nowhere. She finished third in Massachusetts. It's not just Democrats, of course, which should go without saying, but I'll say it anyway, who hold women to a higher standard. Republicans have many fewer women in office even than Democrats do. I, I think it's almost certain that whoever the nominee is on the Democratic side will pick a woman uh, as a running yes. mate. That's almost essential, it seems like to yes. me. So, but we don't want to write Bernie out of the picture, though. He's still close in delegates. He certainly is showing no evidence that he wants to get out of the race <laughs> in favor of Joe Biden. He's still raising money. He'll compete in Michigan next Tuesday with, hundred I think, 125 delegates. Missouri, 68 delegates. He's planning to come to Kansas City we're told next Monday to campaign. What 
what's his path forward, Melinda? We'll go to you. What, what, I mean, does he just sort of hope for some miracle to overcome Joe Biden in the future? It doesn't have to be a miracle. Joe Biden could overcome Joe Biden. That's quite possible. Right. Um, I don't rule that out at all. Well, I let's stop right there because that's very thing. important to think about because you're already reading some buyer's remorse columns from people saying, well, you got Hunter Biden, you've got his age, oh, you've got sure. it. So, so it isn't also, over Also, you me. have the fact that Trump will go after Hunter Biden yeah. and, and the Joe Republicans. Biden will not go after Trump's grown children right. with who have even more problems. I mean, the Senate, you know, Ron Johnson is Biden. holding hearings on bereavement right. and all that other stuff. Oh, right. But again, as Colleen said, no perfect candidate. But Bernie, I thought one of the most interesting things about the results so far for Bernie, where was the youth brigade? They didn't show up. I mean, the whole idea behind the Bernie candidacy, uh, policy aside, is that he was going to turn out all these new voters who wouldn't show up for anybody else. Where were they? They didn't. Where there was new turnout and increased turnout, it was for Joe. Yeah, and and the theory of his case actually might have and might still win him the nomination with far less overall support than he got against Hillary Clinton back in 2016, which is also interesting. And one of the biggest lessons from all of this is that everyone who is invested in the political class, I'm talking about people who are running campaigns, people who are super activist as citizens and journalists, we spend way too much time on Twitter. You know, <laughs> Bernie and Trump are Truer so... Truer words were, are rarely spoken. <laughs> in the Bernie and Trump are so much more influential on Twitter than they are in the average voter's mind. And one of the things that we have to remember, I, I don't know if you remember the page of letters I did from pro-Trump voters back in early 2017, but every single letter, letter save one or two, was from Republicans who were saying, I voted for Trump because I disliked Hillary Clinton so much. And the anti-Biden sentiment is nothing like the anti-Hillary Clinton sentiment. At least sentiment. not, not, not so. now. People, even people, many of those who disagree with Biden are fond of him. Hey there, this is Derek Donovan of the Kansas City Star Editorial Board, and we hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you like what you hear, help us support this podcast and the journalism that reporters at The Star do every day by subscribing. There's an easy way for you to do it. Head to kansascity.com slash background. You'll even get a special discount just for being a deep background listener. By subscribing at that URL, you will get three months of unlimited digital access to The Star for $1.99 total. That's right, you get access to kansascity.com, the e-edition of the newspaper, our mobile apps, and more for three whole months, and it only costs you $1.99. That's a pretty sweet deal. Plus, you will be supporting journalism that makes a difference in Kansas City. So, go grab your computer or mobile device and head to kansascity.com background. And hey, thanks for listening. Let's go back to Bernie for a minute. Because I think one of the other pieces of conventional wisdom, Colleen, was that the Bernie supporters are are not happy with Joe or not happy with any other alternative and that the left wing of the party will sit this one out if anyone but Bernie gets the nomination, particularly because they think they were robbed in 2016 in some ways. Is that a realistic possibility? How does Joe Biden then turn around, assuming he proceeds, and attract the Bernie Sanders supporters. And the converse is also true. If Sanders becomes the nominee, what happens to the centrist lane? You know, the people who are saying, hey, anybody but Bernie. I mean, that, that 
it's always a problem unifying a party, it seems, but it may be particularly tough for the Democrats this time. Right. I think that's a fair question. And I think one of the more interesting takeaways that we've seen over from the last few days or last couple of weeks is that Bernie's movement, which he says is growing and, you know, kind of taking over the country or at least taking over the Democratic Party, really hasn't grown since 2016. It's it's a very, it's kind of holding in place and it's a very finite thing. But they're and very committed, though. I they're mean, they, very they committed. love the guy. And, and so, I mean, from, from the get-go, Bernie has had a very high floor and a low ceiling. And um, and he's very good at getting to 20 to 30% in the Democratic primaries, which obviously, you know, so his best case scenario was to have crowded Democratic primaries and that 20 to 30% would, would get him over the hump. Um, so now that he finds himself in this position of being in essentially a one-on-one race, um, we have we see in very stark contrast that Bernie's getting young voters and Biden is getting older voters. And so Biden's big challenge will be to appeal to those younger voters. Um, the question is, I don't think a lot of those Bernie voters necessarily are going to go to vote for Trump, but the real worry is that they might just stay home. Right, and, and some so, of that will depend on Bernie Sanders, won't it? I mean, whether, right. and I, I, I watched his interview last night on MSNBC and, you know, like all primaries, you have to walk this very careful line to, between criticizing your opponent and yet not criticizing him because you agree on a lot of the issues. I thought he did a pretty good job of that last night. He wasn't saying, you know, Biden is corrupt and he's been bought by by Wall Street right. interests. and other, But he but. was pointing out, hey, he voted on Social Security, some other and things. I, I don't know that Sanders voters, we often compare them to Trump voters and say, oh, it's a cult. But, you know, they don't. Uh, they can talk back to Bernie in a way that we haven't seen with other similar movements. You know, they, I saw Bernie Sanders supporters boo Bernie Sanders at the 16 convention when he suggested that they unify behind Hillary. Right, which is so, the problem. That's what so I'm asking. I don't know that they're going to take their cue necessarily from Bernie. But that's a problem, if, isn't it, for the Democrats? Well, I think it's a conundrum, but I, I don't think anyone knows the answer whether, you know, more Sanders voters will stay home if it's Joe or more moderates will stay home if it's right. Bernie. And let's just be clear, we're, we're, like we did in 2016, we're going to have to focus on states. It's not a national thing. It's it's not just young voters, but it's the young voters in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Florida, to the extent that they're even there, you know, the battleground, Pennsylvania, the battleground states. Um, you know, Trump has responded, Donald Trump has responded to all of this by chasing the dissenters out. I mean, you're either, they're not literally not even holding primaries and caucuses in some states. That doesn't seem like a remedy for the Democrats at all. They'll just have to sort of figure it out. I remember the booing too in 2016, and you can see it happening again. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have hundreds, maybe a th- more than a thousand delegates, even if he doesn't win the nomination. I think it's a it's an important question, and we obviously don't know the answer of, of if we continue on this trajectory with Biden in the lead and um, and and Bernie falling further and further behind. How long does Bernie stay into in this? Does he really fight? 
right to the end. And I mean, part of the problem in 2016 was that he fought until the bitter end. I mean, he never uh, he never let go. And, you know, it was very late when he got out. And um, and so the party really didn't have that much time to kind of patch itself back together. There were a lot of hard feelings between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. And still still. (laughs) And and even though he eventually came around to, you know, ostensibly saying the right things. And I was on the campaign trail with Hillary Clinton when the when she first campaigned with Bernie Sanders and, you know, he showed up and he kind of half smiled and kind of waved and kind of said nice things about Hillary Clinton. But it was pretty half hearted. And <laughs> um, and so, I mean, if Bernie gets out sooner and and is more sincere about this, I think he, be he certainly doesn't control his voters, as Melinda point, correctly points out. But timing is everything here. Yeah. And, and he could uh, he could help his party if he actually you Chose, know, chooses is to do his so. Party yeah, I mean. <laughs> right. He could help the Democratic Party that he dips in and out of. Right. If he chooses. I don't see any scenario in which Bernie packs it in. I, th- I agree with that. I will say that he has uh, one of the reasons it struck me in 2016 that it was so frustrated with Hillary Clinton. It was because of the existence of superdelegates, which is the the chunk of the party that really gave her the lead that he could never overcome for the nomination. Um, you know, the supers, again, for those listening, is party officials and other, you know, big wigs who are officially uncommitted, and there were about 700, 725 of those. Bernie successfully lobbied the party to get superdelegates out of the picture, uh, at least on the first ballot in, the, in Milwaukee. So. He doesn't really have that excuse. He can't say, oh, I'm being robbed by, as he did in 2016, more than once, I'm being robbed by the superdelegates because they don't, they're do not they not playing a role this time. Right. Maybe that might encourage him to be a little more unifying if it comes down to that. Yeah. I, I, you just don't see it that way. I ain't buying, but. <laughs> but, it, but it's also worth noting that, that Bernie Sanders said that whoever gets the most delegates should win, right, and it right. shouldn't have to be a majority. And so um, it's, it's important to keep that in mind in case we get into a scenario where Joe Biden has the most delegates but not a majority. It, it will be less severe situation if Joe goes into the convention with more delegates because Bernie's people, as everyone knows, really do feel he was robbed then and is in the process of being robbed again. I think it's really hard to make the case that the party is robbing uh, Bernie to give it to Joe when he had no money. <laughs> right, right, and no other organization yeah. or anything else. So which I, I do think that whatever uh, slippage you'll see Bernie people staying home will be less severe um, because the party was did not put its thumb on the scale for Joe. Yeah. All right, Let's. we're about out of time. Two other issues I want to bring up quickly, and Derek, certainly weigh in on this one, too. How do we think Missouri's going to go? I mean, the polling suggests Joe Biden, Missouri, like a Tennessee and Arkansas, uh, endorsed by uh, Emmanuel Cleaver, uh, and some other sort of party leaders are now coming on board at the end. I'm just so curious about where Missouri is. Uh, if you go to our Facebook page, the, the Casey Star Opinion Facebook page, you can see a Facebook chat that Dave and I had with Jeff Gerling, the chair of the Jackson County Dems yesterday. And the funny thing about Missouri is that we think about it being this deep red state, but you know, and true, we only have one statewide elected Democrat right now, but we passed right to work overwhelmingly. We passed clean Missouri overwhelmingly. We, we, minimum we passed wage. Minimum wage. We passed all of these things that are traditionally 
blue interests in Missouri. So uh, my big curiosity is, does that mean that this is a very, very purple state? Um, Melinda Colling, what do you guys think? Well, you've lived here a lot longer than I have, <laughs> Derek. Um, but it is curious to me that Missourians vote for all this progressive legislation, but then they also vote for people who make it their life's work to undo any progressive legislation. Yeah. So. I do think that for I think Joe Biden will win next Tuesday in Missouri. I think... Uh, um, the question is really turnout, and that was the question. That's been the question in Missouri for a long time is, can you get enthusiastic turnout, particularly in urban areas like Kansas City and St. Louis? And that's what I'll be watching next Tuesday to see if there is, because I do think there is some enthusiasm for Joe Biden, but it's not Barack Obama-like enthusiasm, particularly in urban areas. You think that's right? That's very yeah. true. And and I mean, much like all the Super Tuesday states, it's not as if Joe Biden has had a presence here. It's At not all. as if he's been on the air. He has it's not no like office he has, here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have an office Bernie here. Bernie does. Right. And, and another interesting question is, how quickly will the Bloomberg yes. machinery and money kind of transferred to Biden and, and how quickly might that be helpful? Because obviously um, uh, Mike Bloomberg, you know, has promised to throw all of his resources behind Joe Biden. And um, and he had lots of staff in Missouri and has been on the airwaves here. And, and so, I mean, if, if he wanted to be aggressive about this, he could very quickly help Biden. But even with no ground game, Biden won, I think it was 63 percent of the black vote in South Carolina. I mean, Joe Biden's got a ton of momentum behind him with those voters. Right. It's just a question of whether they turn out and what enthusiasm the Democrats show in states like Missouri going into the general election right. for mm -hmm. these candidates. And uh, it's not, you know, no one thinks that the Democrats are going to carry Missouri against Donald Trump. It's too red for that. But uh, to the extent that the enthusiasm is here, you will find it in states like Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin that do matter. And that's what I think we, we may see some indication of on Tuesday. We also don't know what effect coronavirus fears. Correct. What, what uh, effect is that going to have on turnout? Yeah, yeah, we'll see how that works. Final question, uh, guys, is is this the best way to pick a nominee? <laughs> uh, you know, the, I, 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 uh, the other day I was teaching this class over at UMKC, and I, it's like a roller coaster where click, 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 click to the top, and then when it hits the top, boom. You, you mentioned Mike Bloomberg. He spends half a billion dollars, and he goes up in a puff of smoke in 90 days. How wonderful. Yeah, well, maybe, <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, but, but, it but, really matters that in this context, in this contest, his money didn't mean anything. Well, I think that's true on, on the merits. But the politics of it are interesting to me because with all the money and all the field offices and all the organization in the world, he ends up with about six delegates. I saw something yesterday. American Samoa, Yeah, baby. American Samoa came home from Mike in the end. Um, but but Tulsi. This Don't you think the Democrats, and to a certain degree, even the Republicans, Colleen, will take another look at the nominating process four years from now? I mean, I, I think one of the lessons from Super Tuesday is that national, semi-national, regional primaries can be quite clarifying. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you do get a sense of what a lot of people want in a lot of different places, as opposed to an Iowa or us, you know, obsessing with the Nevada caucuses, for God's sake. Uh, I, I do get the sense that people in both parties are going to look at this experience and say, we need more regional approach and we need to stretch it out just a little bit so that you don't go from zero to 70, literally in a 72 hour period. 
I think that's absolutely right. And and um, I think the Democrats and, and the Republicans should take a hard look at this process after 2020. And, um, you know, for the, for the Democrats, and I don't presume to know what will happen over the next several months, and I don't know whether Joe Biden will be the nominee or whether he might prevail over Trump if he is. But I hope that Democrats, if they get what they want out of this year, don't say, okay, well, it all worked, yeah, it'll out, worked because out in the end. There were fatal flaws in this process. And I mean, let's not quickly forget what a debacle Iowa was no. or or, you know, Who California is going to be counting votes for weeks. And um, and I mean, we stood and the party stood just a few days ago at the precipice of ha seeing Bernie Sanders be unstoppable and having, you know, profound unhappiness with that. And um, and so, I mean, I think the last few months have um, really revealed um, just how flawed this process is. And Republicans felt like their process, <laughs> a lot of Republicans who were anti-Trumpers yeah. felt like their process in 2016 was deeply flawed as well. And so, I I mean, I think we're reaching the point where we need to reevaluate. Really, is this the do way? Do you think to that's do right, it? Melinda? That the parties will take a look in, in the next four years and say this is just not the way to do it? I certainly hope so. I mean, Iowa was a disgrace. You know, for how many days did nobody even knew what was going on? It was complete right. pandemonium. P plus, it was which Iowa gives rise to conspiracy theories. Right, right. and the only what the only reason Iowa is Iowa is because Iowa insists on being first and being alone. Well, Iowa, which I think says, a lot of Democrats are just going to say, "Okay, you've had your time in the sun, Hawkeye State." They should <laughs> rotate. Now, Iowans before this year said, oh, we do this because we do it so well. Well, I don't think we can right. hear that Or well, that we have them again. in our living rooms and that we have now, the coffee clatches and quaint, stuff. That's quaint, but yeah. somebody else needs a turn. Because, because the challenge is you want to do this quickly, both parties, so that you can settle on a nominee, spend six months actually in the general election campaign. But if you do it too quickly, you end up with a candidate that maybe caught a wave uh, in uh, Iowa or whatever. And then you have, D or in Trump's case, of course, winning those early states. And then you have deep remorse for three or four months with no way out. And I, I just get a sense the parties, both parties are going to say, we need to take a hard look at the way we do this. It's a far cry from when, you know, the Democrats were able to force Harry Truman on FDR as a vice president because, you know, FDR didn't want him. The parties used to have so much more centralized power than they've got now. And I think you can make a counter argument that this chaos maybe is a little bit more democratic. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Okay, well, it's just been great having both of you guys here. And, and Derek, of course, thanks so much for being with us. Colleen McCain-Nelson with the editor, uh, editorial board. Slow down, Dave. And Melinda Hannenberger with the board as well. And, well, let's do this again. We get a little closer. I kind of like the old school, you know. We just <laughs> sit up there and just, you know, stroke our chins and try and figure out who was winning and who was losing. It was a great visit here on the podcast. I'm Dave Helling thanks. with the Steve. You bet. Great to have you with us. I'm Dave Helling with the STARS editorial board. You've been on D background.